Amen. Praise God. Come on. <laughs> Praise God. I'm on. Testing one, three. I'm on. I want you to do something for me today. Worship team people. Hmm, my gosh. Tell you what, if you want to pray for people, pray for the worship team. If you want to see action in the house of the Lord, come join the worship team. <laughs> it's all going on in the worship team. They're a great bunch of people. But I want you to give. The Bible talks about reciprocity. When you receive something, you have to respond. That's why it's good. I believe it's good to say thank you for the word that you brought today. Not that I'm asking you all to come and say, but something in your heart needs to happen. Reciprocity to the response of the word of the Lord. So I want to, everything you have received so far today, I want you to give a resounding shout of praise. Don't give a Caucasian kind of praise, <laughs> right? Don't do that. That's just stupid. But <laughs> Give it like you have gumption. Give it like you have some grit behind you. Give it like you're, you know, after the book of Acts, you're not declared sheep. The Bible declares you soldiers in the kingdom of God. That's the whole intention of God in your life is for you to be a soldier in the kingdom of God. There are more sheep in my country than there are people. Did you know that? And in Wales, a lot of the time, people call sheep dumb, all right? They do this silliest thing. When I was in school, this group of kids got arrested by the police because they were putting crash helmets on sheep and throwing them off cliffs. It's terrible. And those sheep would follow one after the other. You know, it was just ridiculous. They got caught. It was terrible. But listen, we got no intention for us to just stay as sheep. Don't get me wrong. We're continuously following Jesus. But God has called you to be a soldier in the army of God. That's your stance. That's your position. And you know what? When you got saved, you got to join the fight. You got to join the fight. So put on the full armor of God and give the king praise. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise, a resounding shout of praise unto our God this morning. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Come on, church. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, I'm excited to be here today. I said to my, my husband, had approached me, and he said, I've asked Pastor Bill to speak on this subject. I said, that's great. And he said, I'm not, I'd like to give you anxiety. I said, you say what now? You're giving me anxiety? He said, yeah, I would like to give you anxiety. I said, I said why can't you give anxiety to Pastor Bill? He handles trials so much better than I do. <laughs> I don't want to do trials with anxiety. But God has been so good. And you know what? I was really kind of, I, I can't get out of my head the sound that I heard when Pastor P Bill put a piglet on the screen last week. I went home and my mind was just blown by the response of people when they saw a piglet. I mean, I'm sitting in front of a man that is six foot four on the front row. This, my, um, this Darren Harris is sitting behind me. And all I hear is, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> Do you know what's so cute about it? 90% of y'all shoved bacon in your mouth Saturday morning. <laughs> but I came to the conclusion, and it was this, that you have all seen the movie Babe. That's the only thing I can think it is, because America is known for the number one fans of pork. You are known for it. You love your bacon. Bacon and a waffle. Who does that? <laughs> Who does that? We, other nations pray for you all it's because of things like that. But praise God. If Pastor Bill can put a piglet up, I'm going to start off with this joke. I've been practicing this joke, so if I get it wrong, <laughs> laugh anyway, just to make me feel good, okay? But there was this man, he, he, he died, he went to heaven, he's walking up the hill, this hill, and he's enamored by what he sees. He's looking all around him, the beauty, the colors, never seen that before. He's looking at colors he's never seen before. And as he gets up, he sees these gates, and he's walking towards the gates, and he sees a man standing there. It was Peter. Peter's standing at the gates, and the man said to him, I made it. He said, this is incredible. He said, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? He said, it's nothing I've ever seen. Yeah, 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 yeah. He said, I'm going in to see Jesus. And he said, oh, hang on a second. He said, before you go in, you've got to pass a test. He said, pass a test? He said, yeah, you've got to pass a test. He said, I don't remember reading that. He said, he said, before you go in through the gates, you cannot go in till you've passed this test. You cannot enter into heaven. He said, all right, Peter. He said, well, what's, what's the test? He said, how do you spell the word love? Love, he said, that's it. He said, ah, that is it. He said, okay. L-O-V-E. He said, congratulations. 
you have made it welcome. He said, oh, hang on a second. The man went to go in. He said, come back. He said, I got to go get something, Peter said. And he said, when I come back, can you just wait at the gate? And he said, you watch for anybody coming. He said, oh, all right. He said, I'll wait. So he stands by the gates and he waits, looking around. Next minute, he could see down the hill. He said, he could see somebody walking up the hill. And he's looking intently to see who it is. Somebody's coming. I got to give the test. He sees somebody coming, getting closer. It's a woman. He sees this woman walking up. She's walking up towards it's my wife. He says, what are you doing here? She said, I was at the grocery store, pushing a cart, aisle five. Next minute I know, boom. And here I am walking up this hill. Look at these gates are fantastic. She said, I can't wait to see Jesus. And he's all just disgruntled. He's looking at her like, what on earth, you know? And so she goes in to try to go see Jesus. He said, uh-uh. He said, come back a second. You've got to set a test. So the woman goes back to him. And she said, I don't have to sit no test. He said, what? She said, no, 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 I had to sit test. You have to sit test. And so she's standing and she said, all right, then give me the test. And he said, how do you spell Czechoslovakia? <laughs> and thank you for laughing. I tell you what, I only know three jokes. One's about a chicken crossing the road. The other one Jensen taught me, and I told him never repeat it in public. And that's my third one. You will never get a joke from me ever again. So it's all good. And by the way, don't leave the church on my behalf today. Leave it when Pastor Chad or Pastor Bill is standing here, okay? If you're ever going to do don't go down, please. Give me a bad rap for it all. But amen. Proverbs 12 said, anxiety in the heart of a man weighs it down. Another version says, it brings sadness to the heart. But a good word makes it glad. How many of you are ready for a good word this morning? Amen. Amen. Ready for a good word today. Amen. If I could sum this whole thing up, I could finish right now and sit down, but I'm not going to. Because <laughs> I do this once a year, and I am making it count. <laughs> I only get asked once a year. I'll feel sorry for Rachel. Proverbs 12, then. not really. It's always the front row. <laughs> Anxiety in the heart of a man weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. Amen. How many of you have been blessed by the word that you've received from my husband, Pastor Chad, and Pastor Bill Hudson? Amen. You've been encouraged. Amen. Amen. It's a solid word. I tell you something about this house. It's a solid word. And I want to encourage you. God is moving by his spirit in this house. If you don't believe that, you position yourself. You position yourself. I've come to realize that when I say, God, are you moving? God, you're not moving. And the Lord said, well, if you just position yourself, you'll see exactly what I am doing. It is not, this house is not absent of the presence of the Lord. Because I believe this, the pure in heart will see Christ. They will see Jesus on earth as it is in heaven. And I want us to see, I believe there is a greater outpouring coming. There is a greater manifestation. There's going, to be, there's going to be such an atmosphere of worship that we're not so worried about which instrument's being heard, what's not loud enough, what's too quiet, what's too loud, what's all this, that, and the other. I tell you something, when you engage in the presence of the Lord, all these problems become shadow in the light of Him. They become shadow in the light of Christ. And I believe that God is going to pour out on this church. He has begun it already. He is coming into people's lives and he is illuminating what's not of him. He's illuminating what's not of him. Things that need to be taken out, removed. The old stinking thinking is being kicked out. And God is renewing minds of people. And he is getting them ready to be soldiers in the army of God. He is positioning his body. This house is not absent of the presence of the Lord. Show up on Thursday night to the prayer meeting. It is not absent of the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is here. Amen. And I believe it. I believe it. Amen. Let's turn on our Bibles. Chap Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 6 through 7. I have to say hello to my mother. She's made me do it. Hi, Mom. She, she said, you remember to say hello to me? Hi, Mom. Send me chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Father, we come to you today. We thank you for your faithfulness to respond to your word. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. 
thank you, Lord, that your word illuminates what's not of you. Lord, the psalmist said, let my tongue be as a ready writer. So, Lord, I ask that you would speak and only your voice be heard. I am your servant. Fill me with you, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness to speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Anxiety, worry, unbelief, I believe, are all rooted in one big word that we use often, more in the church than the world does, and it is fear. These words, anxiety, worry, unbelief, fear, the things that Satan uses to bring division, stopping us from fulfilling all that God has for us. He likes to paralyze us with fear like Saul under the pomegranate tree, crippled with fear, crippled with worry and doubt. But anxiety has more to do with the position of your heart than it does your circumstance. Anxiety is about um, expectation, confronting disappointment when nothing has even happened. Anxiety happens when we are asked to wait on the Lord. We're asked to wait for God's timing, and, and it is just like Saul. He's waiting. God has spoken, but where is the action of God? And unfortunately, in that story, Saul takes things into his own hands, and there is a great loss that day. Genesis chapter 3, it talks about Eve in the Bible where she's confronted by the serpent. When she's confronted by the serpent, the enemy convinces her of one thing, and the enemy convinces her when she goes to take partake of that tree, he had poured doubt into her and he positioned her to believe that she was in lack. When Satan desires to come after you, he will position you to think that you are in lack, that God is not all that he says he is, that he is not all he says he will be to you. He might be for other people, but he is not for you. And one thing I believe that the enemy has worked his way in on his discipleship in the church, in the disciple, where people get saved and they're told to join a church system and they become a part of a church culture and they respond and they get caught up in the, the dancing and the hoot and the holler and, the, and doing all the formalities of church, but when they're not discipled, they do not know the character of God. And that's what happens when people go on in their walk with the Lord. They, they move forward in the things, and they move forward in the church culture, but they go through problems, understand, and I can't figure out why God don't want me. It's because they fail to recognize the hand of the Lord in their life. Discipleship. You will always have a problem with God through everything you go through. You know when you're lacking discipleship is because you, when you go through a circumstance, it immediately turns to why God. That's the intention of the enemy. He brings worry, he brings fear and doubt and belief to bring a division between us that we will say, why God? Why would you allow it? But when you've been discipled and you understand the, the nature of God that he says, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. He said, you are the head and not the tail, that you're highly favored. That you are the heirs of, heirs of Christ Jesus. You're, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're blessed and you're highly favored of the Lord. When you, when you understand those things, you, the problem we have in the church is that Satan understands it. My question to you this morning is, do you know it? I went to take my boys to basketball uh, this week. That's what I, I took them down to Bowling Green. And when I was driving them down, uh, we drove down there, we got there. We, I tell you what, something happened this week. I was an hour stuck in traffic with construction work. I said, Father, how on earth are you gonna, how am I gonna make up this time? I said, Father, transport me. I, I'm leaving it there. All that happened was I was 30 seconds late pulling in the parking lot. I had made up 45 minutes of time. I tell you what, the Lord was in my engine that day, and God is so good to me. But I got them there. So the next morning, they wake up. They've been having fun. They've been goofing around the night before, so they were tired. And I said to my sons the next morning, I said, hey, come on. You're going to win this game. It's going to be good. I turned to my son, I said, Noah, I said, come on, we need some Rocky Babo in the CD player. We need some Rocky music going on here. We got that fight, you know? I said, put the eye of the tiger on. That's a good one, you know? And he turns to me, and there's nothing like being discipled by your 17-year-old son so early in the morning. And he said, Mom, that's ungodly. Uh-huh. <laughs> he said, Mom, I don't need it. Okay. 
I said, Lord, you know that saying, you give birth to them, but you can take them out also? <laughs> Is that in Exodus? <laughs> it was silence all the way there. I said, okay. I said, all right, Lord. I thought we don't allow, we don't allow unsecular music in the household, so you know what, we'll just go. I was in the basketball game and I was watching my boys play and they have a great coach, a great coach, a man of integrity. And when I was watching them play, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, that was amazing what happened in the car. That was fantastic what happened in the car. And the Lord spoke to me and he said this, Rachel, he said, he said, your son does not only understand what he is, but he understands whose he is. He has a revelation. I said, at such a young age, he has a revelation of who he belongs to, that his steps have been ordained by him, that the greater one lives on the inside, that he's more than a conqueror in every situation. He has a revelation. He has an understanding of the nature of my nature. I don't know why I act so surprised. But I'll tell you something. If you're going to be successful in the things of God, you have to have an understanding of the nature of God an awareness of the character of God, of who he is, because you know what, when you go through the valley, you can understand the faithfulness of the character of God in the valley and on mountain high. He is still sovereign and he is still God. Job 42, five says this, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. God wants you to see him in a new way. He allows things to come in to disrupt you and adjust your focus. Psalm 119 says this, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now your word I do keep. Listen, when you are the right, when you are in Christ Jesus, when you're not just saved, not what you are, but whose you are, who you belong to, when he brings things to come and fashion and shape your life, your position will always be praise. It'll always be praise. It will always be worship. Anxiety can be a sign that you are not focused on the nature of God. You're not focused on 1 John 4.18. Let's read that. Remember, fear is associated with punishment. Fear is associated with punishment. If I don't do this, if this happens, it is associated with punishment. The person who experiences fear has not been perfected in love. 1 John 4.18 says this. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Today we are not dying by the sword, and yet in countries physical persecution is still very much real. But Satan goes after the mind. He goes after the emotion. He goes after the conscience. The enemy uses these things to bring division between God and us, asking questions. Are you sure God said it? That was the very thing Eve said in the garden. Are you sure God said it? It brings question in our walk. Are you sure, God, that you are faithful? Are you sure that your promises are yes and amen? And it sets us into a position of thinking that we are in lack. We have a mindset that God's not enough. I promise you that I believe it's like 92.5% of the problem in the church when people are going through something. It's because the enemy has lied to them and they think they're in a position of lack. That God is not, I don't have what God says I have. I don't have the authority. The very same God that spoke this earth into existence is the same authority that is vested on the inside of me so that when I pray on the, in, the, in the sick and I lay hands on the sick, I say in the name of Jesus, by the authority. The devil said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but, but who are you? I recognize authority, I recognize authority, but I don't recognize authority. God says this, I said, I prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemy. You got Jesus at the head. And we're no longer, we're no longer fighting Hittites, Amorites, we're no longer fighting the Hivites and all the other ites that are out there. We're not fighting maybe physical sword necessarily. But you know what happens when you allow to the fear of taking root in your life, what it is is you have allowed the enemy to come and participate at the table that was intended for your good. It's a table of grace. It's a table of peace that surpasses all understanding. It's a table of joy unspeakable. 
And when we, we give in to the, the lie and allow the enemy to take a root system in our life, we are allowing the enemy to come and participate of the table that was intended for us. You don't have to entertain it. You run to the cross. That's what happens with most people. They entertain it. They give it 24 hours. Don't give it 24 hours. See it for what it is. Anything that's contrary to the word of God, speak against it. Let the word of the Lord come out of your mouth and prophesy those things as though they were. You're a prophetic people. You're a prophetic man. You're a prophetic woman. Men, if you're having trouble in your household, prophesy over your household. Women, if you're having problems with your emotion, which we tend to sway more that way, just because there is strength in what God has given us, and yet there can be a vulnerability in that emotion at the same time, prophesy over yourself. I'm the biggest prophet over myself all the time. I prophesy day and night. I go through battle after battle, and I notice in my life that when I yield to the fear, I'm allowing it to take root. You stop that thing right at the door. Read 2 Kings chapter 18, I believe it is. And it talks about how the Lord told them, don't even converse with the enemy before they went into battle. The Lord prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And that table was his goodness. Keep your armor on. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of righteousness. Put on your armor of God. There's nothing worse than a naked person run across the battlefield. Put on the full armor of God. This is not a cute saying. Listen, you're in a real fight. You're in a real fight. Coming to church on a Sunday morning, you're not doing God a favor just by coming. Your worship does not alter God. If I worship God, it don't make him insecure. If I worship him, it doesn't give him a puffed head. But out of the selfish nature of God, he made worship even about me. Because he said, Rachel, if you would worship me, my light will come and illuminate what's not of me, and it will position you. It will, it will break up the lie of the enemy, and you will walk in my truth. I even make worship to me about you. That is the selfish nature of my God. Worship God. Worship the king. Be radical. I'll be even more undignified than this. Worship God. Be passionate about praising God. Be passionate about giving him your everything, because he's worthy of it all. Let's look at John chapter 10, 10, and I want to delve into this. I've been looking at the New Testament and the Greek, and I want to explore some words that we seem to take for granted because we're taught them in Sunday school. And I want to take a few minutes here of just delving into what the Bible says, these root names that the enemy uses against us. And we're going to see the heart of Peter in this for the church. 10, 10, John 10, 10 says, the thief, I'm only going to read one part of it, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We've read that over and over. The thief comes to steal. He's come to steal what God's given you. He's come to eat off that table. He's come to kill and he's come to destroy. But Jesus Christ has come that you may have life and life in abundance. First Peter chapter 5 verse 8. Let's take a look right there. And this is where I want to delve into today. Be sober be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Peter is expressing his heart to your shepherd's heart. There's problems going on in the church. We're trying to do a good thing over here, Peter, and there's just problem after problem, attack after attack. And Peter's like, hang on a second. There is a lion, there is an adversary that has assigned itself after you. I believe that the enemy assigns spiritual demonic activity over cities. I will drive through a city, and I, 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 I sensed it a couple of weeks ago. I took my kids to their basket. That's what I seem to do these days. I live at the church, I live in the laundry at my house, and I live at the basketball court. And that's what I do. No wonder Rachel doubled her chocolate intake in the last few months. But when I went to this city, it's about 45 minutes away, we were driving there, and I got there, I dropped the boys off, and before they start their game, it's usually an hour, so I take me and Beth, and we have a little jaunt around trying to find something that's, you know, spectacular. And we were driving around, and I had, there was such a tremendous peace in this city. I said, where is it? I said, what's the name of this area? I don't even know where I'm at. Your GPS did it all for me, but where am I at? And they told me the name of the area. I said, there's such a peace here, such a peace here. And I have gone into other cities where I'm thinking, Lord, get me out to here as fast as you can. I want out. So the enemy has signs of his cities. He's also assigned them after your life. He's assigned them after your loved ones. He's assigned them after this church. He's assigned. He sets up his teams to attack. But how many of you know it's not Satan that comes in like a flood? It is the king of kings that comes in like a flood. 
kind of triumphing over all the work of the enemy. Amen? So I want to look at these words. In the, in the Greek New Testament, the word devour is the Greek, the Greek word for devour is pinyo. It means to undo, destroy, liquidate, to drink, to consume, to devour, to slurp. Not to just devour, to eat something, like take a flesh, take a head, take an ear. But the Bible, this word devour in the Greek literally means to just leave a puddle of juice on the floor. Like you never even exist. That's how much the enemy hates you and that is how much he is after you, after everything you are, who you are, what you believe, to tear you down and to take you out. That's what Peter's trying to express to the church here. He's just not nipping at the tail or trying to get your hind leg. He is into complete and utter destruction of your life. To leave nothing but the evidence of just a trickling of blood and a trickling of water in your life. It is a picture of a lion who has victimized an animal eating the meat. This is the word that Peter uses to tell us that the enemy wants to do unto me, to me and to you and to our loved ones. You have to build a wall of defense. Put on the full armor of the Lord. Put on the full armor of God. There is a king that loves you. There is a king who is, my mom used to say, I love you so much, I'm besotted. The king is besotted by you. The king is in love with you. The king wakes up with expectation of you doing his will. There's an excitement in the air. Is Satan afraid of you when you put your feet out of that bed and put them on the floor? Is Satan trembling? Or is he standing there with his militant, with his weapons? Are you ready, boys? They're so easy to take down. Put on the full armor of the Lord. Put on the full armor of the Lord. Put on the full armor of the Lord. That wayward child of yours, put on the full armor of the Lord. That husband that is lost, put on the full armor of the Lord. That no peace in the household, put on the full armor of the Lord. Your mind that is never at peace, put on the full armor of the Lord. You will triumph in the Lord and you will triumph like never before. Be sober. The Greek word for be sober is nepho. It means to be serious. A drunk will let his guard down. He will think, he will speak silly. He will speak silly things, things he would not normally do. I will hide your word in my heart that I will not sin against you. Psalm 119.11 says... Next would be vigilant. And if your name is Greg, the, the Greek word for Greg, uh, vigilant is Gregorio. And this is the word in English for Greg or Gregory. So if your name is Greg or Gregory, Gregory, can I get that word out? It means vigilant. Scott, I believe your first name is Gregory, correct? Ah, you're vigilant, my friend. It means watch, be vigilant, for you have an enemy. Put on the full armor of the Lord. Adversary. In the Greek, this word means antidikos. It means a prosecutor in a court of law. The enemy uses sin, allegations, violations of the law, a loophole through behavior that was wrong to take you down and imprison you. I want to read uh, the RIV translation of 1 Peter chapter 5. And this tr- tr- when I read this translation, it just brought the whole thing to life to me. Be sober, be vigilant, because the devil, like a prosecuting attorney, is searching for some loophole in your life, some place of spiritual violation where you have broken a spiritual law. Like a prosecuting attorney, he will try to use that evidence to persecute you and take you down. If you are living right before the Lord, he cannot take you down. If there is no violation or disobedience, gaps to bring in his destructive acts the enemy has a plan and it is to take you down but when are you are living right before the lord i tell you what have you ever seen that picture on social media it's david standing with his stone and his sling and goliath is looking down on him aggressively and behind him stands the commander-in-chief towering over goliath that's what god is for us you're so loved by the king. I tell you what, if I, a, if I truly understood how much I am loved by the king, I'd have a perfect marriage. I'd say most of the problems in our marriage is because of me. Not taking the humble road, just... Don't email me later on, okay? Don't want an email. Rachel, you need to get a... Get a no, I'm not that bad, okay? It's just... I'm pretty good, actually. 
Chad's not here. <laughs> I tell you something, my husband doesn't need a new woman in his life. I'll have you know. But he does need a woman in the presence of the Lord. He does need me to be cocooned in his presence. Because I tell you what, when the anxiety kicks in, when the fear kicks in, I don't run to him for counsel. I run to the presence of the Lord. I run to the presence of the great I am. There are 17 words in the Bible that give description of the enemy. Foul, evil, vile, deceptive. In the Greek, there are two Greek compound words that make up the word for Peter calls the devil. And it is dia ablos. And dia in the Greek means to penetrate. To penetrate. And balos means a ball. So not only is Satan given a name, his name actually carries meaning. It, he means to penetrate as though to throw a ball, striking over and over and over and over and over until he gets penetration. The enemy has a plan and an intention, and he is resentless in attacking us. He is resentless in attacking you and attacking your mind, attacking those emotions, allowing anxiety to come, hopefully getting you rooted in fear, getting in doubt, that God says he, who he is, God is not who he says he is. In first chapters, in first Samuel chapter four, there's a fantastic chapter of a picture that really defines what I'm saying to you today. It is a battle going on between the Israelites and the Israelites are at Ebenezer, they're camped there, and the Philistines, the enemy, are encamped at Aphek. And the Bible tells us that they go to war with each other and the Israelites lost 4,000 men during that battle. The sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, come along with the Ark of the Covenant and they bring the Ark of the Covenant into the camp. And when they did, the Bible says that there was a resounding shout of praise, that it rippled in the ground. And the camp of, that the enemy was in said, there is a God that has just joined their fight. The God that parted seas has just joined their fight. And the Bible says a fear gripped their hearts, not by what the enemy saw, but by what he heard. The Bible goes on to tell us that the enemy, the Philistines, were encouraged, listen, you fight with everything that's in you. You go in valiantly and you take this, 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 these people and their God down. You take them down with the intention of destroying. And the Philistines went in and attacked and when I read this, I read this years ago, and it screamed at me. When they went into attack, the Bible says that 30,000 of the men of Israel, the Israelites died that day. And I said, God, I thought praise was our weapon. I stopped right there. A couple of weeks, I came back to it, thinking, God, there's surely got to be more, because my, my dad always said, read the scripture before and read it after. You've got to have content. I began to read on. And the Bible says that when they lost in battle, a messenger went to the priest Eli, and he was about 98 years old in age. And they told him about your sons, Hophni and Phinehas, have been killed in battle. And he immediately says, tell me about the Ark of the Covenant. And they said, it has been stolen, it is now in the hands of the enemy. And the Bible says that he was a hefty man and in weight, and when he came off the back of the chair, that he immediately died. His daughter-in-law, that was the, the married to Phinehas, the son, she was pregnant with child and pains. When she heard about the Ark of the Covenant and her husband and brother-in-law dying, that pains came upon her body. And she went into labor. And she gave birth to a son. And she named that son Ichabod. The glory of the Lord has departed. You know what the problem with the Israelites? The Israelites had the, great, the right response in battle. If you read in that scripture, in chapter four of 1 Samuel, you will read that the Israelites did the right thing in responding, the presence of the Lord is here. Because the Bible tells us what happens when you praise God, something happens to the enemy when you shout and cry aloud. That should be the first response of, the, of righteous people is to praise the name of the Lord. 
But I tell you something, if you are not living right, like the Israelites were not living right, they were not honoring God, and that day they lost 30,000 people in battle, and the ark of God was, was stolen from them. I want to ask you a question today. Do you have a lamp but no oil? You have a nice lamp but there's no oil. The, oil, the lamp is what I am. I'm saved. I am in Christ Jesus. But the oil comes through the crushing. It comes through the obedience. It comes from the friction. It comes from the, the, thing, the friction that gets in our lives into the, the tender tissue of the oyster to create the beautiful pearl. Nice lamp. But do you have any oil? That day when the Israelites went to battle, they had a nice lamp, but they had no oil. Oil represents obedience. It represents, it's, a, it's the Christian. It says, yes, Lord, I am willing to follow you. I am willing to stay. I'm willing to see this through. I'm not sure what's going on around me right now. I have no clarity. I'm emotionally just not, not together as such, but I know that your peace surpasses all understanding. Will come now and guard my heart and mind in you, Jesus oil. You want to know why people carry oil? Why some people, you look at some leaders maybe or somebody in the church and who's just got a way about them. It's oil. They stood when others ran. When God came to work on their heart to plow in the field, to turn the soil up. Lord, I don't like this, Father, but in my God I will trust. I will have the mind of Christ. I will be planted deep by the rivers of living water. I will have a root system in my Christ Jesus. My life belongs to you, God. When I give my life to you, God, I didn't come to you for the benefits, but I surrender my all to you, and I do today as well. Oil. It's oil. It's oil. Oil doesn't come from being just radical in the church, jumping all over the place, hooting and hollering, saying the right thing. It comes from the secret place where his glory dwells, where nobody else is around to fanfare you on. That when you say you're not saying the right things just in public, but in the secret place, you say, Here I am, Lord, wholly available to you, O God. Wholly available to you, O God. That's what creates oil. Jesus' face was set like flint towards Jerusalem, the Bible tells us, and that's what he's looking from believers. Your face is set like flint towards the plans and the purposes of God. In Exodus chapter 14, we read a great story about the Israelites when they went <clears throat> out, of Is out of Egypt. The Bible tells us that Pharaoh was all of a sudden realizing he has released all the people that would work <clears throat> for him in that nation and sends out a mighty army. The Bible tells us he sends out 600 chariots. They were the chariots that he, he had trained to a certain level of trusting. They were like leaders upon leaders in the 600, and then they had the rest of the chariots that are overseers for them. And the Bible just, you know, we see that movie at Christmas time, you know, the G uh, Moses, the tank, you know, parting these waters and all these things. Uh, that movie, I love it. We actually get the Ten Commandments, right? Um, it's a fantastic movie. I watch it all the time. But on that movie, they depicted as like a few chariots going towards them, charging towards them. But it was in the, in the original writings, there is actually a sea of chariots. You can't see the end of it from one end to the other. There was a sea of chariots coming towards the Israelites. And God speaks to Moses and he encourages him, what have I placed in your hand? That's a great word for somebody today. What have I put in your hand? He has given us the word of God. Use it. Moses, what have I put in your hand? And he tells Moses to stretch out his staff. And he speaks to Moses. He speaks to the people of Israel. He says, the enemy that you see today, you shall see him no more. Often God allows to bring things pretty close to our camp. God, what is happening? There might be things that you might have sensed that happened with your parents, your great-grandparents something attacking your family, and there might be a season of that, that whatever is getting very close to you. But stand and be strong. God has placed the word of God in your hand. You know, God has an intention always. When things happen in our life, it is always for a greater purpose. The Bible says that the word of the Lord is tried. Psalm chapter 12, it says the word of the Lord is tried several times over and over. When I was a little girl, my mom and dad liked to take us to craft shows. They still have to go. We have car boot sales, you have garage sale. And we used to go to these um, places where they make things. And I loved it. I, we put our Wellington boots on. Some of you call them water boots. We put the Wellington boots on. Off we went. Muddy floors, all the rest. And they would have huts. 
And in each hut, something was happening. One hut, it was candle making. Another one, it was like glass blowing. Another one, there was a silversmith. And the question was asked to the silversmith, says, what do you do, what's the process for this whole metal thing? And he said, well, the metal, when we have it, we want to strengthen it, so we place it in the fire. And he said, I check it periodically, and as I'm bringing that out, I am looking for my reflection in the metal. He said, and when it's done, the minute I see myself, I pull it out. Because if I leave it in for a minute more, the fire will destroy it, and that metal is good for nothing. God is, tries his word, but he is not into destroying his people. But he is looking for his reflection in our life. He will purify the word of the Lord as you read it. God wants to give it a root system. How he does that, he brings the fire to it. And when he brings out that, when he brings that artistry, that, 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 what he has created, that beautiful artistry called mankind, he brings it out and he is looking for his reflection in you and me. But he will, he is, not as, he is not into destroying his people. He wants to give us a hope and a future. He wants us to prosper. He wants to give you a hope and a future this morning. I want to look at some men in the Bible who suffered from anxiety. Job, a very well-known character from anxiety after personal losses, material possessions, all of his children, devastated by a grievous physical affliction. Read in chapter 2 of Job. Job is in the battle which he doesn't understand and why God is permitting his sufferings. He accuses God of being the cause of it, yet Job's endurance glorified God, for it answered Satan's challenge, and it showed the unseen spirits as well as men. Then and throughout the ages that God's people serve him, not, mere, not for mere return for spiritual benefits, but because of who he is. Jonah in the Bible talks about Jonah Assyria was a threat to Israel's existence, and the prophet hoped that this threat would disappear, their destruction. This is seen in Jonah chapter 4 in verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. This, this, the truth is Jonah would, could have rejoiced in the forgiveness extended to Ninevite, the Ninevites, but his self-pity blinded his eyes to the mercy of God. Elijah's another one. He, Elijah grew anxious when he was rebuked while he was anticipating a moment of triumph. He suffered from physical anxiety, a specific kind of anxiety that is related to commitment to God. Elijah's anxiety, along with many other biblical characters, alert us that being committed to God does not necessarily exempt us from being anxious. Listen, there's an old saying, when fear knocks the door, let faith answer it. Respond, put on the full armor of God. When you experience anxiety, we stand upon the word of God. God which declared, that declares that the Lord is our healer. We do not debate the word, but we do declare it. That is our stance in the kingdom of God. Isaiah 53, 4 through 5 says this. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That's emotional healing. He, has wounded, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was buried for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and that's spiritual healing. And by his stripes we are healed. That's physical healing. The sun has set us free. We are emotionally, spiritually, and physically free in Jesus' name. Psalm 55 tells us, cast all your burdens on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. As for me, I will call on the Lord, and he will save me. Even in the morning, even in the morning, will I cry out to thee and cry aloud, and he will hear my voice. Luke 11 says, a strong man arm keepeth his palace. Proverbs chapter 21 says, the horseman is prepared for battle, but the battle belongs to our God. Listen, there was no Jonah without a whale. There was no Daniel without a lion's den. There was no, there was no David without a Goliath, and there was no Jesus without a cross. God is into calling us as people, sheep into soldiers. Sheep into soldiers. There is something beautiful about sheep, even though Wales has given them a bit of a bad rap on them. There is something beautiful about sheep. There's the tenderness. There's the willingness to follow. There's also the danger part. They're naive. They can be tossed to and throw by winds of doctrine. And God has called us to be soldiers in the kingdom of God. Soldiers in the kingdom of God. Anxiety of the heart of a man weighs it down, but a good word, a good word 
makes it glad. If you're battling fear and anxiety, worry and belief, whatever category you may be, it's all, I believe it's all rooted in fear. Fear distracts us from the plan of God. It can derail us from his plan and his purpose. But that scripture right tells us that anxiety weighs the heart down. Do you know what happens when you allow anxiety to come take root system? Do you know what can happen? You can open the door to manipulation. Do you know who manipulators are? They're people who are afraid. Manipulation stems from fearful people. It's an inability to trust God. It's a desire to see something happen their way and they're gonna make it happen. And it's the absence of trusting God. Manipulation's horrible. Manipulation is horrible. It is one of the, the worst controls. If you have a boss that's manipulating and controlling, it is horrible to be under that hand. Manipulation is not for people who are in Christ Jesus. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You might be someone here today who is tired of the battle of self-will. You're tired of the torment. You say, my mother was that way. My father was that way. My grandmother was that way. Listen, lay down the reasoning. The worst thing you can do in your spiritual walk is reason with the enemy. The cross is not in vain. And it is not in vain to serve the Lord. It is not that burden you carry. God says, come to the cross, lay it down as an act of worship, and do not turn back. Some of you wait all your life for freedom, and you shout, I've got freedom, I got freedom, and it's like jumping with a ball and chain around your ankle. Listen, you know what freedom is? It, I believe it is immediate, and then God says, you know what, I'm a covenant-keeping God. When you called, I answered. When you call, I respond. But you know what God's wanting to do in the process? He's wanting to change you and I into his likeness. So you can believe that you are free immediately. You can stand and say, Christ has set me free, no longer to be bound by the yoke of slavery. I'm a new creation, all things have passed away, have been born again. You can stand and say that you are free in Christ Jesus. But often time, God wants to say, you know what, I want to change you into my likeness. Don't despise the journey. Stand there and say, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. Yield to the Lord. There is nobody that will love you like Jesus. I will let you down. If you get close enough to me, you're gonna see my flaws. That's what happens with people. People tend to love me in the beginning. Oh, I don't know what it is. I used to think it was because I had an accent. Do you know this? I'll tell you the truth. I like you but none of you have acknowledged my accent. Be quiet, I, I was not talking to you. It's always the front row. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. you're just so easy to pick up. Um, I have an accent and I came to this church and do you know what somebody said to me? You sound like Hilton. I said he's from South Africa. I was this close to buying them a globe. He's far away from me. Next thing they'll tell me I look like him. Are you related to him? You know? Nobody said anything about my accent. And I said, Father, I said, nobody's. I thought that was the coolest thing about me, was my accent. And not one person at return, and then somebody had the nerve to tell me, I like Hilton's accent out of all the accents in this church. <laughs> That was not nice. <laughs> I didn't have the guts to say it to your face that day, but now I say it from the pulpit, because you can't get me. <laughs> I thought my accent was everything. And you know what? People, uh, when you're new, they want to get to know you, they get close, they have respect for you, they talk to you nicely, and then all of a sudden, you have a human flaw. And it's like, inside their head, they're calling you the devil. 
All of a sudden, they stop texting. All of a sudden, they stop liking your stuff on Facebook. All of a sudden, you're not that cool anymore. So you take it up a notch in your cool, trendy shoes that your children bought you for your birthday. <laughs> That's why I'm wearing them. My babies bought them. They're very comfy. I highly recommend everybody gets a pair for next weekend. <laughs> Flawed. I'm not perfect. I get tired. I have four fabulous children that I homeschool. I have a husband that does not stop dreaming. <laughs> My Lord. <laughs> Let's just take a moment. Bow your head right now for Rachel. That's good. That's good. A man is awake at four o'clock in the morning. I can't remember the last time I romantically woke up to my husband lying next to me. He is gone. He is wandering around the house somewhere in his pajamas, what he calls pajamas. <laughs> I don't call them pajamas. It's just a t-shirt and shorts. But anyway, he walks around like that, four o'clock in the morning, inquiring of the Lord. Father, how do you want to work it out, God? And I go in there, he's got his phone out, he's got all his books out everywhere. And I walk past, most people are sleeping at this hour. I go back to bed. And it's all good, I know what he's doing. I, work, I live with a dreamer. He goes constantly. I almost said to the Lord, I had a dream one time. I flushed his phone down the toilet and I sedated him with cough syrup. <laughs> Nighttime, extra strength, severe cold. I'm a good wife. I'm good to him. I love the church, but it's a lot of work. I miss my family in the UK that I haven't seen for years. It's a burden. I'm remodeling a house. Don't even ask. <laughs> and I get tired. And I get weary. And as much as I love my king, I have a very human side that has to surrender almost daily. Almost da every day I'm finding myself God of mercy. Sorry, Lord. Sorry, Lord. In fact, I can't remember, so Paul is right. I die daily. <laughs> Listen, there is a king. That is not an excuse for me to go live any way I want to. I still honor my husband when I feel like things could be different. I have to look at him in his pajamas and say, you know what? God's got this. God before us, who can be against us? It's not about your perfection. If God wanted perfect people, guess what? Sorry to tell you, you wouldn't exist. <laughs> and neither would I. But the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. Put on, you know what the armor of God will do? It'll stop offense. The armor of God will strengthen your marriage. The armor of God will strengthen this house. You know the greatest thing you can ever bring to this house is not your good looks. It's not your suave. But it is your confidence in Christ Jesus. Bring your confidence in Christ Jesus and we will prosper and triumph like never before. Amen, let's stand together. Praise God. I wanna encourage you, that Billy Graham said this on his final words, his final clip that was taken off him. He said this, that the gospel is for every man. The cross is for everyone. And I believe it. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, I want you to come just as you are. And if you don't have the guts to take a, foot, a step out of the aisle, poke the person next to you and say, come walk with me. I tell you what, you are not promised a life to 70 years old. If you're 50, you're not promised to 60. If you're 25, you're not promised to 30. If you're 18, you're not promised to 25. Close pastor friends of ours living in Houston, Andrew and Cheryl Willis, just buried their grand, they're burying their granddaughter this week. 
who was killed in an automobile accident in Tennessee. They're flying her body back this weekend to bury her. You are not promised a certain amount of days. Today is the day. If you're not unsure of your, your salvation, you know, there's just something that rings on the inside that I'm not saved. You know what? The Bible says, I will silence the voice of the enemy. God will silence that lie. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ today and watch God come and turn your life around for his glory. These altars are open if you have any need at all. If you want personal prayer, I will pray with you. But I would like to pray over us as a congregation. I would like us to lift our hands as an act of worship. This is surrender. That's all it means is surrender. Surrender. It's surrender. There's a famous watch dealer, a Swiss watch dealer in Sweden, and they were asked why the, they always set the hands of their watches 10 and 2. And they said, why do you set it 10 and 2? And they said, it's the most attractive position for the hands to be at. Listen, it's the most attractive thing in a believer is a hands raised up and a heart surrendered before the king. Hallelujah, blessed be the name of the Lord. God, we magnify you, we praise you. The struggle is real, but so is our God. Anxiety and sickness, troubled mind, fear, doubt, anxiety, you are subject to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The work of the enemy be bound, and whatsoever be bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever be loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. The Bible says that the chastisement of our peace was upon you. The punishment that brought us peace was upon you, God. And Father, we rest in you. Jesus, we come before you today and we lay the panic, we lay the anxiety at your feet as an act of worship. When we feel crushed by fears and worries, remind us of your power and your grace, God. Fill us with a peace as we trust in you, God. And we thank you that you have paid the ultimate price to carry our burdens. So we say today, God, let God arise and our enemies be scattered. Let faith arise and all fear and doubt be shattered in the name of Jesus. We put on the armor of God today. For some of you, it is a new day. You're going to dust the dust off your Bible and you're going to use the weapons of your warfare because there are, you have a family that are leaders, household, family, fathers. I charge you today to dust the dust off your Bible and pick up your weapon because there is an adversary after your children. Don't be lulled to sleep. Don't be lulled because of good times that the enemy is surrendered or he is, he is not bothering with you. Listen, the enemy is constantly trying to figure out a way to destroy. Put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. Women, if you're struggling with your mouth and the words that come out of your mouth and control of your emotions, and the doctors told you it's just hormonal and there's no way out, you just have to ride it through, put on the full armor of God. Put on the word of the Lord. For your weapons of your warfare, and they're not carnal, but they're mighty in the Lord for the pulling down of strongholds. Put on the full armor of God. Declare the word of the Lord. Prophesy. Prophesy over return. Prophesy over the kingdom of God. Prophesy. Speak those things as though they were. Worship the Lord. Because the worship grips the, it causes the enemy to fear. It causes him to tremble. It causes him to know who is in the camp of the righteous. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Prophesy over this church. Prophesy. Give, give no place to gossip. There needs to come an atmosphere of repentance. Any word that is demeaning towards the leadership of this house. The mercy of God comes today and says repent. As an act of worship, lay it down. The Lord desires to move great and powerfully through this house. But it will flow through a pure vein. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in due season he will exalt you. There is a sound of the abundance of rain. There is a sound over this house that is the abundance of rain. You've seen trickles in times gone past, but God says there is a sound of a mighty, a mighty sound of rain to come upon this house. Surrender to the ways of the Lord. Surrender to the ways of the Lord. Surrender to the ways of the Lord. 
Surrender to the ways of the Lord. When the Lord says that when the Israelites stood before, before Goliath, they stood there in fret of their own lives. The fear gripped their hearts, says the Lord. That no man dared to confront the enemy. Even though they were called my people. But there was one man who sought me when no one was around to cheer him on. There was one man that I, I trained in a sheepfold that slung at the bear and wrestled down the lion. All sent by my direction. There was one man that even when he was anointed by the prophet Samuel and came and he, he anointed him. He blessed him but didn't even kiss him. He couldn't even get the man's approval on David's life. And God said, he was my chosen vessel. That I, he sought me, he sang before me, he worshiped me. He allowed the word to dig deep into his life. He had a root system and it was that man I called to stand before the enemy with the charging words of, who are you to defy the armies of the living God? My servant know who he belonged to. And I come to you today to challenge you to know who you are in me. I have many more slings, says the Lord. I have stones that have been in the buffet of the stream, ready to be picked up. And the Lord says, I am looking for men and women that are willing to go by the babbling brook, that are willing to be in the secret place, to throw stone after stone, to exercise direction, to exercise being on the appointed time, to have discipline over their thinking, to have discipline over their mind, over the words that come out of their mouth, says the Lord. I am looking for a servant. And I come today to charge you. Will you arise to the call? Will you arise to the call? Are you willing to put the, the stone in the sling and allow it to be stirred up by the spirit of the living God to stir yourself up and allow the hand of the Lord to direct that stone on directly on target against the work of the enemy in Clarksville, directly on the, on the enemy in the, that's been assigned to Indiana, directly upon the enemy that's been assigned upon your household, directly upon the enemy in this nation, directly upon the enemy in this earth, directly upon the enemy in the White House. I charge you today, servants of the Lord, do I find any people that are willing to take the stones that have been buffeted and in due season used for my glory? Today I call you out, Return Church. I call you out. I call the army of the living God to arise. Choose this day who you shall serve. For I am looking for men and women to stand in the gap, not for their own glory, not for their own, their own will being done, but those who are surrendered to the sovereign great I am. To seek him first. To seek my face. To go where people not many are willing to go. To go into the stronghold where David trained his mighty men and where I spoke to David. It is the unseen place. It is the place of loneliness. But it's where my voice thunders. Are you willing to go? I charge you today. Fear no evil. Fear no evil. Fear no evil. Fear no evil. Do not fear what the enemy might want to throw and penetrate. Fear no evil. Fear no evil. Fear no evil. For everything you encounter, the commander-in-chief will join your fight, says the Lord. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Father, we honor you today. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where comes my help? My help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the king of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, mighty to save, mighty to deliver. Enthrone our hearts, God. Enthrone our hearts, Jesus. We surrender to you as a people today, O oh God. We surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We celebrate you today and all that you've done, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord.